Welcome on into the two three podcast. I'm Cam. That is Zach. A very rough loss against number 17 Miami, a 78-82 loss. Zach, this was tough. You thought that the boys could have it at one point. I thought the lead was a little bit too large. I wasn't getting my hopes up. I knew it was going to be coming down to the wire. And at the end, uh, Miami got the best of us. Yeah, this one really hurt. You know, we obviously we came into this really needing a statement win, really wanting a statement win. And we were so, so close to getting it. And that's what makes it hurt so much. And unfortunately, we we couldn't get it done at the end of the game there. If you weren't able to catch the game, we'll give you a little bit of a rundown here. Things got off to a bit of a slow start, got into got out to a, uh, an 11-12 deficit pretty early. Malik and Manir came in, immediately got a rhythm going. And you've seen that quite a bit throughout the year, Zach. It's just the bench comes in at some point, gets the rhythm going, and the starters are not able to get it done. You know, maybe four of them are out there actually getting a rhythm going, but then it's like the fifth one is kind of dragging everything down. This seems to be a bit of a pattern this late in the year. Yeah, the the bench has always done a really good job of jolting the the offense and this the team in general and giving them that burst of of energy to like you said get the rhythm going. So it's a good recipe, it's a good formula, and I do I think the guys that come off the bench, you know Malik, and you know like Moo come in and they change things up and for better or worse, it, it, it works pretty well. Speaking of the bench, by half all nine players that were playing in this game. We're in the scorebook already. JG3 and Jesse led the way with eight points at half, and we had a, a bit of a lead. And then after the the halftime timeout, I mean, the boys immediately patted the lead. And like I said, I thought it was a little bit too much, a little bit too early. And that's when Miami was able to get back into it. And uh, the defense in the second half wasn't as strong as it had been. And Miami seemed to go big, and they had a... a pretty good answer for what Syracuse was putting out there. It was a little bit back and forth until the end and uh, Miami ended up getting this win as a summary, Zach. I mean, this one hurt, but if you looked at any, you know, plan in the game, what have you, I think it was just the defense sort of falling apart there towards the end. Yeah. I mean, also Miami just didn't shoot well at all. I think they're a little unlucky, especially from the three point line in the first half. So it was inevitable that they're going to shoot better in the second half, no matter what, especially against the zone. We, you know, we've obviously struggled against the three-point line all year, year long. I mean, Miami shooting shot 16% from the three, then 45 in the second half, making five threes. So, you know, it's a recipe for a lot of points. And between that and, you know, getting in the paint, getting a lot of boards, a lot of sec- second-chance points, it was just a bad recipe. And you had a few, you know, costly turnovers and, Next thing you know, we'll, we kind of lose hand of this one. So let's go over the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good news is that we do have a lot of good that we can go over in this. The main one being Jesse went absolutely nuts. He had a career best 25 points. He had 11 boards. This is the Jesse that we love, and this is the Jesse that we have been hoping to see. He's been in a little bit of a funk the past like month or so. And it seems like he finally got back in the scoring column, which was the the issue for him over the past couple of games. Yeah, honestly, I thought this could have been, I was, I was hoping this could have been the 2020 game. As soon as he got 20 yeah. points, I looked at his, bo- his boards and I was like, he could do it. He could do it. Unfortunately, he didn't do the 2020, but did have a career night, 25 points, 
11 boards. And overall, just a fantastic performance. And Jim summed it up the best. He, he said that Jesse did everything he could to help this team win, and he certainly did. Yeah, he was instrumental in the comeback. There was a little bit of a comeback there in the first half where we kind of crawled our way back into it and were able to take the lead. I mean, this is this is a performance that you can build on if you're Jesse. And the fact that he had a career-high 16 field goal attempts, he was taking some shots, and I thought that was kind of interesting because we don't normally see that. How were you liking that from, from his game? Yeah, I mean, he took some shots. I also think he, he missed some shots, unfortunately, too. You know, he's been kind of struggling with his consistency with some of the shots that he's been making. But overall, you know, still 50%. Obviously, he's usually at a higher caliber, but 50% from the field is still really great. And uh, I think you take that. They're good looks. What did you see in this game that he was doing a little bit differently in the past than the past couple games? I mean, it feels like he was just finishing better. Also, I think he took advantage of his height advantage. Miami is coming yeah. in like a little bit under undersized, which majority of times, even with ACC play, he usually does have a slight edge unless they do have like a true center on, on the opposing squad. But he really took advantage of that and was able to get to his spots. And I just think in general, he was able to finish better. JG3 also had a very nice bounce back performance. Like Jim said, he kept us in the game and he played really well. He had 21 points. Uh, a very solid game uh, coming off of a seven-point performance against Notre Dame. In that game, we we didn't really see him do too much, and he was just basically cold from everywhere. Even in this game, he was cold from three, and maybe it's a good thing that we were able to see 21 points out of him because it's showing that he's able to do other things besides shoot the three. I I've noticed this year specifically, he's adapting. If he isn't doing well, he's able to adapt his game and that's something that we didn't really see necessarily from from a young Joseph Gerard. I am beyond impressed that Joe has 21 points when he was one for eight from the three. If you say yeah. Joe Gerard at any other point, any other year was one for eight, 21 points, you'd be like, how in the world did I, that happen? So I am beyond impressed with that. I'm pretty sure he had like 19 straight from the field. He was super, super cold. He had that late three. I can't remember exactly when that came, but he he got in there. He was pushing up. He had that little mismatch, and he took advantage of it. Super, super impressive. And like you said, he he's he's changing up his game. He he's when he's when he's not able to score from the three, he he's showing he can score inside. And this is like I think the second game now in a row where he's 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 scored a lot of points within the three point arc, which is just incredible. I do worry a little bit that he was so cold from the three and has been cold for a little bit. Uh, I said one for six. I didn't mean one for eight, so sorry about that. Good catch, Zach. But <laughs> I am a little bit worried coming down the stretch that we are losing him at the, the three because he's so valuable there. But if he's putting up 21-point performances without needing to shoot a three or make you a three, I'll take that all day long because this is his seventh 20-point performance and... uh I think that he's going to be instrumental come down the road. Uh, we sort of question, you know, his leadership and and where he was, where he stood as the team um, was in his little when he was in his uh, cold spell a little bit. So I think that he's proving to us Zach, that like he's got it. He's able to lead the charge. He's able to lead the way. I'm not 
going to confidently say that this is Joe's team yet, but I am seeing some leadership qualities in him and some adaptability that I, I didn't think that I would see for a while. Yeah, I mean, both are veteran guys here. Jesse and Joe had fantastic games. And again, Jim Beheim said these guys did everything they could to, to, to put us in the chance to win this. And our two veteran guys led the way and really showed their leadership and ultimately, you know, showed that this is their team and, and they're going to try to do everything they, they can to, to, to allow their team to win. Fortunately, that didn't happen, obviously, but these two guys put on excellent performances, which obviously comes a little bit of, of under because we lost. But I do think if you look at the individual performances, they were fantastic. And this is exactly what you want to see from these guys. One more thing that uh, I want to touch on for for the good is is Benny's game. He had a much needed positive games and 30 minutes of action, which is the most that he's seen since his game against Cornell. He had 12 points and five rebounds over the past couple of games. We've been really worried about Benny and we've been worried about his attitude and not his attitude, but just where he was mentally. And we were worried that, you know, maybe he was in a bit of a dark place. You saw him celebrate a couple of his buckets and when he started to get hot, he was starting to smile a little bit. I worry about Benny still, but this is certainly something that you can build on if you're him. And to have that confidence back is, I've got to imagine, feel really, really good for him. He's just a different type of player when he, when he's playing with that energy and confidence. And, you know, he's making shots. He's within the flow of the offense. And he's just feeling good. And like you said, he's celebrating out there. and His, his mind is right, obviously, because he is playing well. But I just love watching Benny play well. And I, I do think he's only scratching the surface of what he can truly put out there on a, on a true full 40-minute 40, 40 good performance overall. But this is definitely a good bounce back after his, his struggle, you know, after being sick and being in the doghouse. This is an excellent performance, and it, it's really great to see him have this performance. One more thing, uh, and then we'll go to the bad is – Isaiah Wong was was limited in this one. He usually averages around 17 points a game, only got nine. Jim had mentioned that we usually do pretty well against him, and that is true. I thought that he was going to be uh, a bigger factor in this, and we were able to kind of limit him in his scoring, which from a defensive perspective, you got to love that. And I think that that was probably the best thing that we did defensively. Yeah, I mean, if you go back to our preview, I said that Wong was going to come in here and he was going to be like a highlight reel. And I really thought Wong and Judah were going to trade highlights and trade buckets and it was going to be quite the show. And I was wrong on both accord. And on the Wong side, at least I was, at least that, that was a good thing to be wrong about. <laughs> Let's move to the bad. Uh, slow starts continue to kill us. We were 11 and 2 to start this, and that's not really an abnormal thing. I want to ask you, does this mean that maybe a change should come in the starting rotation? Honestly, like I thought about this the other night, and the rotation and the, the starting five, it just it I think it's fine. And I think, you know, Jim is doing what he needs to do. Guys like Justin Malik. And Sire still getting into the game. I'm a little bummed. Kodir is kind of falling out of the rotation here. He has several, you know, DNPs these last few games. But other than that, like, our guys are developing. People from the bench are coming in. And the, the love is being shared. And obviously, 
our forwards in particular have a very short leash. So if, if they don't do something right, the energy isn't there. If you don't get back on defense, if you, if you don't do one of those critical things, you're being subbed immediately, which some people may argue that's not enough leash, but to get all these guys in to, to develop these freshmen who these talented freshmen who are on the bench, I think it's kind of what we got to do. And that's what Jim's been doing. And I don't know. Part of me really likes it. I, I really like the idea that we're, we're developing these guys, not just rotting away on the bench. You know, otherwise we'll, they, they kind of fall into what Benny is going through this year, where he's kind of like a freshman in his sophomore season. So it's good to see the spread of minutes being spread to these young guys. And I don't know. I think it works. Is it the perfect setup? No, but at the end of the day, I think it works. I mean, we can talk about changing the starting rotation as much as we want. We both know that the more than likely Jim is not going to do anything about it. I actually would disagree. I think that we do kind of need to make a start, a change to the starting rotation I don't think that the play that the minutes are going to change too much if you do that. But what is going to change is I think it would give a little bit of a jolt to an otherwise lackluster starting lineup. You know, some some games were just we just don't have it. We come out like in this one, 11 and two to start is like I said, it's not abnormal. It's happened several times. And we're able to usually bounce back. But if we're immediately digging a hole for ourselves, shouldn't a change be made? I would think that at some point you need to look at that and be like, something just isn't right here. Maybe Malik needs to come in. Maybe Justin Taylor needs to come in. I thought it was a little interesting that John Bowl got the start when Benny was sick. So I don't know. I think that you need a little bit of a change, but like you said, the momentum usually swings when the subs are able to come in. And fortunately this year, the bench is so deep that we're able to pick from anybody. If Malik isn't doing it, then put Justin Taylor in there. If Justin Taylor isn't doing anything, then put John Bowl in there. So we're able to, to use quite a bit unlike previous years, but I don't know, Zach, I just disagree. I think that we need to sort of look to maybe changing some things. No, I hear you. And from an energy standpoint, to, to give that jolt from the, from the jump does make sense rather than like going down 11-2. That's not a great way to start the game, obviously. So from that point of view, I definitely agree with you. That that makes sense. Also wanted to touch on the fact that uh, we have no answer for strong forwards. Norchad Omir had 16 rebounds and 16 points. His build is very similar, as you had pointed out to me to Justin Mutz, who had 21 points against us. So it's like, who can we turn to to limit these guys? Because they keep having very big games against us. And when you look at our lineup, I I don't know who you can match up against these guys because it seems like that's just our kryptonite. Yeah, I think think the sad thing here is just we we don't have an answer. I I don't think we have the personnel, the right personnel to kind of go up against a guy like this. They're just so... They're so sturdy, they're, they're big, but they're also crafty and can kind of get into the lane. And like Justin Mutz, he was able to get a bunch of assists on us and move the ball in and out and, you know, thread the zone. And Omir, he was able to do the same thing. He was really able to get to his spots and get to the boards and give a lot of second chance opportunities to himself and the team. And ultimately, he was the guy that really did us in the second half. Malik is probably the guy that you would turn to in this case to hopefully sort of limit these guys, but Malik didn't really have it in this one. Benny 
didn't really have it on the boards. So it seems like if we go up against one of these guys, I mean, you got to circle it because that's going to be the matchup that you're going to need to look out for. Jesse can only cover so much and he can, he's only one man. So um, we kind of knew when the the going gets rough, the boys don't really seem to do that well. So that is the biggest issue, I think, going forward for this team. I want to touch on the ugly now. And I think that we all know uh, what it's going to be. And it's I've got to highlight it here. It's growing pains. And it was uh, Judah's probably worst game in a Q's uniform in 31 minutes. He had five rebounds, six assists, and three points. But he also had four fouls and five turnovers. Um, if you didn't watch the game, it was just a, a, one of the last possessions. Judah sort of coughed up the ball, and clearly it was not really the play that was di- designed for. Um, all around, Zach, this was just a sign that Judah is a freshman, and after all of the spectacular, amazing games and shots that he has put up, he finally showed for once in a Syracuse career that he is human after all. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a big learning turning point for Judah. I mean, this is a huge talking point on on, a tw- on the Twitterverse and just in general. Everyone's talking about that last play. Everyone's talking about Judah Mintz's performance. And a lot of it is super, 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 super ugly, which I don't think we should even touch on. But nonetheless, Judah did have a rough game. Like, that's a fact. But there, there's the difference between being objective and holding a, a player or a team accountable and crossing the line, which we're going to try not to. And a lot of people did cross the line after that game. But I think it's fair to be objective. It's, it's fair. Even Judah would be like, yeah, I I did not play well. I'm sure he woke up the next morning, these last few days of practice. He's pissed. He, he's focused. He, he's, he wants to play this Saturday even better and turn things around. But yeah, it, it was a tough game, and like you said, this is the first instance where I was like, yeah, Judah Mintz is, is a freshman point guard. This is his first year at Syracuse. We've seen a couple of times, too, that Judah is a very emotional player for good or for bad, and when you're a freshman, when you're learning, you're going to see that. You're going to see the emotion come out. He was obviously very upset with himself. He, he knew exactly what he did when he had that shot. Um if you're curious, Jim did say that they tried to get a, a, a playoff for Joe. Joe was covered pretty well. So Judah kind of just took the shot prematurely and he tried to make a play for us, which he has done all year. And this was, guess what? The one time when he couldn't do it. So um, Judah is a sensational talent who deserves all the respect for Cuse Nation because without him, to quote a great man, we wouldn't have won 10 effing games. That's how important Judah has been this year. He has been instrumental to the success that this team has had and to the success that the freshman core has had overall. And without Judah, I, I don't even want to imagine where we would be right now. So listen, he's he's human. And you got to support a freshman after all of this. You can't go on Twitter and start voicing your hate for a player that absolutely does not deserve it because... It's just, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And Zach and I have been reading the comments over the past couple of days, and it's just, it makes us both very, very mad. At the end of the day, you just need to show support 
for your team or for a player through the ups and downs. And that's something Cam and I try to do, something we try to advocate for. So yeah, we just got to keep believing and keep keep cheering. And you know, if you're with them at their best, you got to be you got to be there for them at their worst. And at this particular time, that we're at our worst, so we need to be there for this team and for in particular Judah, which he doesn't need any of that noise or whatever. I mean, he's locked in. I'm sure he doesn't care. He he's moving on. But it's still like just noise and it's just it's just muck, and we just don't need it. We don't need to see it. I think it reflects poorly of this fan base. And I think we can be better than this. And, you know, origination is is way better than that. I got one more question for you before ending this recap and moving on to the preview, Zach. Against Georgia Tech, will we be seeing a monster game from Judah Mintz? Absolutely. There's no way Judah Mintz comes back onto the floor in a Syracuse jersey without playing like the sensational player that he is. He's, he's, he's bounced back game of the ages. He's going to come. He's going to look poised and he's going to play well for sure. You heard it here first on the two, three, that's going to do it for the recap against Miami. Listen for the preview tomorrow against Georgia tech. And until you hear from us, then we will talk to you soon. Let's go. Cuse.